Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. The song we sang together with the phrase, Hosanna, that um, you may, of course, recognize, Hosanna, that that's from uh, where we really um, see that in the New Testament is on uh, Palm Sunday where the children are crying out and the people are crying out, Hosanna to the Lord, which means save now, save now. And uh, that's another case where we have so many of these Old Testament prophecies and promises that we read in the New Testament and the book of Hebrews as we're looking at that together. And before we share in communion together today, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and see another uh, Old Testament passage. Now, as we come for communion, if you're visiting with us today or you're new to our church family, I just want you to know that uh, this is for the body of Christ. This is not... Because you're a Berean or you belong to Berean or anything else, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and uh, you, you have asked Him to be your Savior, you're part of the body of Christ, you are welcome to join us in communion today. As our children left a little while ago, uh, in the summertime when we have communion and they're with you in the service, that also is up to you as families as to when you want your children to uh, share in communion and you feel they understand enough, then that's up to you, you and parents uh, to do that. And if you'd like to share communion with us later in the service, our elders will distribute uh, the bread and the cup to you. We'd like to build our service around this as well uh, this morning as we share in communion. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we pray again your words would be heard. Might our hearts always be sensitive to your word. It's good for us to take these few moments in a busy week uh, to just stop and just uh, spend some time in reflection, in worship, in learning together and sharing the gospel and encouraging one another. So we pray this time in your word, and as we share communion, it would just be beneficial, not just to us, but to us as a body, that uh, we would continue to walk with you and to serve you. We pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. Open your Bible for a moment to Psalm 95. Psalm 95, 95th Psalm. And as we read this, uh, many of you will recognize there's a chorus that uh, we sing, we've sung quite often, that is taken right from these words. In fact, if you look in the hymnal, you'll find many of our hymns and choruses reflect Psalm 95. If you were at a synagogue service on Friday night, and uh, you would notice that since about the 17th century, uh, the tradition in many Jewish traditions is that this psalm is read to welcome the Sabbath. It's read to welcome the Sabbath. And that's because it, it seems, as best we can tell, that this section of psalms from 90 uh, forward, the next 10 psalms or so, were used also at the temple when they, when they came for sacrifice and worship at the temple, that the, these psalms were read. In fact, you'll see this has a setting of a congregation, a group setting, and you can see why it's so appropriate to welcome the Sabbath in the synagogue. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he has made it. And his hands formed the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down and worship. Recognize this chorus. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And you'll notice the, the, the extent of this psalm. You go from the, from the depths of the earth to the heights of the heaven. This idea of the, of the expanse of the universe and everything we know that, that God is, a, is the ruler and maker and king of the universe. And it says, come, let us sing for joy. Let us shout together. Let us acknowledge. Let us bow down. Verse 6, let us bow down in worship. Let's kneel before him. For we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are his flock and he is our God. Can you see why this is used to welcome the Sabbath? And why it is used to celebrate in the temple and to welcome as they came to sacrifice and to serve the Lord. Psalm 95. I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 3 this morning. Hebrews chapter 3 as we prepare our hearts for communion. And we are in a a series we just started from the epistle to Hebrews. And we are not, as I mentioned the first week, we're not going to be able to cover uh, every chapter, every verse in great detail but I'm going to focus on one particular part of each chapter in the morning. And in the evening, we're going a little bit deeper into the things we missed in the morning. So we'll be coming back to this chapter tonight. <clears throat> chapter 3 of Hebrews. And you'll, uh, we're, going to, we're going to begin in verse 1. I want, you, I want to be able to read this. Therefore, holy brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle, and high priest whom we confess. So we introduce in chapter 3, and this is going to be a big theme in the next chapter, is the high priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, But God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. I just want to stop here. We're going to come back to this tonight. Because as you read these passages in Hebrews, our small group that I meet with on Saturday mornings, we were in Hebrews 6 yesterday, and as you read Hebrews, you're going to come across passages that sound like, wow, um, I'm not so sure this doctrine of eternal security that we, that we teach at our church is accurate. Because you run into these things like this that say, if we hold on to the faith, uh, if we stay true, if we don't deny him, if we do deny him, there's no longer any more sacrifice. And we're going to come across these things. We're going to come back to that tonight and talk some more about that. I just want to remind you this morning that the context, don't forget, it is the epistle to the Hebrews, it, the, the context, you know, we, we believe the Bible, the Paul says, all Scripture, all Scripture is profitable. Uh, Craig McDonald in his book, Understanding Your Bible, talks about the vertical and the horizontal truth. And all Scripture has truth that is applicable and we can learn from. The context is Hebrew believers in Jesus Christ. And they are called brothers. They are called holy brothers. And as you read this, you get the impression, I get the impression, these are people who believe in Christ. We're going to come back to that a little bit more tonight, but just to kind of uh, introduce that for tonight a little bit, you notice that he talks about Moses here. 
And the reason he does that is last last week we saw this heavy emphasis on angels, right? On angels. Well, in the Jewish context, there is evidence that their rabbis by the first century even taught that Moses was even above the angels because of what God had used him for and what God had called him to. Um, He is the revered figure when it comes to the Mosaic law and leading Israel to freedom uh, and and being faithful to God through those 40 years in the wilderness, being the lawgiver ministered, as we saw, through angels. And so we've gone maybe from the lesser to the greater. We've seen that Jesus is greater than the angels. And now in this chapter, although we may not think this way, to the Jewish audience, this idea that Jesus is even greater than Moses is a very big deal. It's very important. So the context here is Moses was faithful in the house, but Jesus is the house builder. So he is even greater than Moses. And the house builder, Jesus, likewise was faithful. You know, this is very important in New Testament teaching. That I know from our perspective, it's hard for us to, this discussion, you know, could Jesus have sinned? He was fully God and fully man. It's a big theological discussion. But the Bible makes it very clear that his obedience and his faithfulness was important in his ability to go to the cross as our sacrifice. We know that. The Bible makes that clear. And here it is here. His faithfulness. His faithfulness as the Son of God to the calling he had was so important. We're going to come back to this and talk about this a little bit more tonight. But you notice the end of it. Verse 6. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And then he this transition. And we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. These people evidently are being challenged. Their courage is being challenged. There is a there is evidently a, a pull to, to go back to something, given this is a Hebrew epistle to the Jewish believers. What is that they're maybe being pulled back to? Is it to go back to the, what's comfortable, the Mosaic Law? To go back to a, maybe a different form of salvation than faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they're being tempted. They need courage. And I want you to notice this. So as the Holy Spirit says, today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And I want to stop right there before we finish this quote, because this is evidently a very important point, because notice, he repeats it again, which is unusual. You don't usually find the apostles doing this, of, of using an Old Testament passage and then repeating it over. He just said it. And he, he wraps up this thought in verse 14 and 15, As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Every every Jewish recipient of this epistle of the Hebrews knew exactly what he was talking about. It's called the provocation, where they provoked God in the wilderness. Go back up to where we started there in verse verse 7 and 8. Do not do this. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, the provocation, during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me. And for 40 years, they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on my oath in my anger, 
They shall never enter my rest. Again, we're going to come back to this thought tonight because this idea of rest is connected with the promised land. The Bible never really uses the promised land as a picture of heaven. That does come out in choruses and hymns and so forth. It's the land of rest or security, and it's the destination for the children of Israel, this, this promised land that they're going to. This provocation in the desert was, was so bad that they threatened Moses' life. They rebelled against Moses. And if you remember, if you remember the story when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, and Joshua, Joshua was there with him, and Joshua says, I, I, hear the, I hear the sound of war down below on, on, the, on the base of the mountain. And Moses says, no, that's not the sound of war. They are rebelling against God. These people that God brought through the Red Sea, they're at, the Mount, they're at Mount Sinai. Moses is in the presence of God on Mount Sinai. And down below, his brother, Aaron, the first high priest, is taking part in the leadership of making a golden calf to worship to hopefully save them because they believe God is destroying Moses and that they're out there in the desert on their own. And they rebel against Moses. And then they go to the Kadesh Barnea. And God and Moses sends in 12 spies into the land of promise to look at the land. And they come back and report. Ten of, ten, two of them say, we can do this. We brought back the grapes. We can do this. God is with us. Ten of them says, no, we can't do this. Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? And they, are, they provoke God. Because they rebel once again against God and they threaten Moses' life. And the rebellion is so strong. You know, God at times says, Moses, stand back from these people. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to start all over again with you. And, God, and Moses says, don't do that, God. He pleads with God for his people. Don't do that. Because then the nations will say, you couldn't do it. And you're no different than the other gods. It's the provocation. Now, here's the interesting thing. You may have noticed this. Keep something here in Hebrews 11 and go back to Psalm 95. You go back in your Bible where we started. This Psalm 95 that welcomes the Sabbath and the synagogue services even today. This Psalm 95 that was part of the celebration in the temple. This Psalm 95 that speaks of, of the joy of worship, of singing before God, of bowing down. Those, Come, let us sing for the joy to the Lord. Shout! And you get the impression, some believe, as this psalm was read, that the, the shouting and the singing and the noise got louder and louder. Very joyous. It's a celebration of God's goodness. It's like we do this morning as we worship. We are lifting up the name of God, lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Save now, Hosanna. He's great. Bow down and worship. And it's in this psalm, of welcoming the Sabbath and worship, that we have the quote that we find in Hebrews chapter 3 that's used twice. All of a sudden, there's a transition. And the transition is at the end of verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice. This, this psalm has become a constant reminder. It was in the temple. They worshiped. They came to the temple in Jesus' day. When Jesus was there in the temple, he heard this psalm sung. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Marabah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested me and tried me. Though they had seen what I did, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on my oath, in my anger, God says, they shall never enter my rest. 
This is the second half of Psalm 95. The first half is an invitation to come and worship, to sing, to rejoice, to acknowledge, as we have done this morning, who God is and what he has done for us. The second half of the psalm is a prophetic warning and a constant reminder. And this morning, I guess the word that, as I look at this psalm, the word that comes to my my mind as I read this and read through it several times, in Hebrews chapter 3, so as the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit is the author of the words of Scripture, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. And that is so important that he says it again in verse 14. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And, you know, I want us to, there's a lot here we could go into more and we'll do so tonight. As we come to communion today, what is some of the horizontal truth this passage has for, for, for people who know Christ? I think, I think Hebrews was written to, for the most part, to these Jewish believers who had accepted Christ as Savior. It does have implications for the people as a group as well. He talks out by saying holy brothers. He talks about the brothers. He talks about the family of God. And he, and he reminds them, don't go back. Don't harden your hearts. When you see what God has done for you, when you gather together and sing about his, his, his goodness and his love and his compassion and kindness, when you read his, the story of your salvation and are reminded of it, don't let your heart be hardened. There is an urgency. There is an urgency in this epistle to the Hebrews. You know, this is something that today, um, I'll just speak for myself. I'll just speak for myself. You know, it's, it's awfully easy to lose that urgency of the Word of God. It's awful easy to get so, so complacent, so used to it. It's so easy to, to, get, to just get used to what we hear and what we know and how good God is and what God's done for us. And then something happens in our life and it wakes us up and we realize how much God is involved in our lives and how every second is in His hand. And then we go back to our complacency. I mentioned yesterday at the service for Anna Bloomquist, 102 years old, uh, there on at Washelli, and I mentioned how you know, I have opportunity to drive up and down Aurora several times a week. And I was thinking as, as, as there, I went to the graveside and, and I went over to my mom's grave and my family there, and I was all sorts of friends from Berean we've buried there. And you look out and there's Aurora. Traffic just coming and going, coming and going. And I think, how many times have I just come and gone in Aurora uh, going here, going there, doing this, thinking about that, listening to that song, um, you know, things in my mind, and just coming and going, coming and going, coming and going, and to, to just to, to be kind of forced to stop and think about the reality, reality of life, and the fact that I am mortal. Every day I drive to work, I drive, I go out this way, and I drive by the cemetery, the Jewish cemetery where my dad's buried, right over here, just off Aurora on the west east side of Aurora. And going home, I'm drive right by the cemetery my mom's buried. And every so often I think about that. And there's this, there is a certain urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we need to just stop and remember. It is important. It's important. It is urgent. Today, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
And it's in this passage, and I think as believers, I think as members of the church, the body of Christ, I think it's possible. It's possible. It's not normal, but it is possible that we as believers can get hardened. We can get callous. We can get careless. And we can live our life as if, yes, I know I'm a believer. I know I follow Christ, and I know it should be important. But um, someday it's really going to be important. And I, I'm just like you. We're, we're all tempted. It's, it's very possible. As we come to communion today, I want to suggest there, there's a couple of things that, 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 the, that the apostle here in this passage brings to them to help them. This is serious for them. Don't go back. Yes, it's costly, but don't do it. Number one, verse one, you notice what it says here? Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Focus on Jesus Christ. The value of reading God's word. The value of thinking about him. The value of praying to him. Fix your eyes. You know, the Apostle Paul says, to put the, fix your eyes on him. Later on in Hebrews, in, in, after the, the great faith, we are surrounded by cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us lay aside and fix our eyes. Let us move ahead. Fix your eyes. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. The, the, first, the first thing to help us in this warning of, please, yes, come and worship. Come and celebrate. Come acknowledge God's goodness to you. But be careful. Fix your eyes, fix your thoughts, fix your mind on Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul, I'll just turn back a few pages, but the Apostle Paul says something very similar to Timothy. In first, in first chapter, at First Timothy chapter 6, he comes to the end of it. Paul says this, but you, man of God, flee from all this. Timothy, who's saved, I believe eternally secure, but Paul says this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, Fight the good fight of the faith. There's an urgency. Take hold of the eternal life to which you have been called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses in the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you, keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I command you, I urge you, I implore you, Timothy, I'm counting on you. Stay true to the salvation to which you are called by. Today, if you hear his voice, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And the second thing, as we come to communion this morning, I want you to notice the second thing to help us do that, to help you and to help me, to help our children that just left this place to go into their rooms to continue to study and worship. Look at the second thing he says. As you come toward the end of this this chapter, but look at verse 12. See to it, brothers. None of you has a sinful, unbelief. He calls them brothers. We can say, obviously, brothers and sisters, fellow believers, I think. Make sure none of you have unbelieving hearts that turn away from the living God. But look at But you... Encourage one another daily the urgency as long as it is called today so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
encourage one another today while it's still called today so that we don't slip away into our lifestyle where it isn't important to us. And you know, the value of coming together, I think Madeline talked about coming together and sharing communion together as a body of Christ. This is important that we are here together today. You don't have to be here. I understand that. We're not legalistic. It's not going to affect your salvation. And you're not saved by being here and not being here. But the fact of the matter is God's people have gathered the first day of the week since the Lord rose from the dead. They gather all over the world today. They have for millennium and they will continue until he comes back. We need each other. You know, you need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged. I need to encourage you. You need to encourage me. We need to encourage one another. Our very, I've mentioned your presence here today is an encouragement to others. Because Satan would challenge us. Satan would try to deceive us into thinking that it doesn't really matter how we live. It's okay. We're saved. And the apostle here says, today, if you hear his voice, today, 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 respond. Encourage one, help each other. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Encourage one another to fix our thoughts as a body and as individuals. It is important to be together. It's important to share this time together. And we're going to share the bread and the cup together today. And as we do so and elders come forward, we're going to, we're going to share a communion at this time. I invite you to come forward, elders, so we can share. As we do so this morning, I do want you to focus I know there's a lot of things our minds could be on today, but for the next few moments, I would like you to focus on the fact that this bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given for us. The cup represents his blood. And we are doing this together to fix our thoughts on the Lord Jesus Christ today and to encourage one another so that today, as we hear God's voice, that we will respond for truly he is our God, our maker, and our Savior. Apostle Paul reminds us in the night our Lord was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he had his disciples divide it up. They broke it. He blessed it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. It reminded them that the parts were part of a whole. And they belonged to him. The song that we just uh, listened to, to remind us that uh, today is a day. As we take this bread together, I just want to stop and just uh, encourage you that today is today. You don't have yesterday. You may not have tomorrow. That we do have today. And if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And you know, the Apostle Paul does tell us in Corinthians to examine ourselves. To look inside. To consider. And I just want to encourage you today. If you walk with the Lord. Uh, if you know you've been walking away from Him. But the Holy Spirit has been drawing you back. Um, we, all, we worship a God of new beginnings. Today is today. And today is a good day for you to commit your life to Christ. To acknowledge how much God loves you. If you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Respond. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High 
will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's eat the bread together as an affirmation of our faith in Him. Father, I thank you for the privilege of eating this bread with your family. We can do it alone, but it's good for us to be here today. While it is today, to just encourage one another. To be reminded to pray for each other, to pray for our children, to pray for our friends, to pray for those we've met today. To be available to help, to encourage, to strengthen to hear your voice and understand some of the urgency of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the life that we have been called to live as we live for you. In Christ's name we pray. The truth of that song is one that we have espoused and we believe and nothing but the blood of Jesus. If there was any other way, he wouldn't have had to die. If the Mosaic law could have done it, but he makes it clear the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. At some point, the sacrifice had to be made, the only sacrifice. Today is the day. You hear his voice. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, today is a new day. Today is the day. And friend, if you happen to be here today, I know most of you, but if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Today is the day. The message is simple. You are a sinner. I don't need to tell you that. You don't need to tell me that. You cannot save yourself. God's standard is holy and just because he is holy and just. And Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, therefore the perfect, holy, human, divine sacrifice, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. So you could hear his voice and you can receive salvation, not by being here, not by doing something, not by pleasing us or anybody else, but by saying yes to God and receive Christ as your Savior. Today, if you hear his voice, listen to it, respond. I have never yet met anybody who's regretted asking Christ to be their Savior. Let's drink the cup together as a reminder that on that night his body was pierced and his blood flowed because nothing but the blood could wash away my sin and yours. Let's drink together and please hold it for a moment of silent prayer afterward. Father, on this Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, first day of the week that he rose from the dead. And this Sunday we also celebrate his death and the price that was paid for our sin. And Father, we hear your voice today because we've listened to your Bible, your scriptures. We've listened to songs that brothers and sisters have written to express the truth of your Bible, your scriptures. We pray as we encourage one another we pray for one another and we help each other rejoice together that today, while it is still called today, 
that will respond to your voice and live our lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming today and being part of our service and encouraging one another. If the Seahawks win today, we'll get to see Gary's sweater one more week. If they lose, well, pitchers report for duty in two weeks. And next October, maybe Rachel can find us a bizarre Mariner sweater that we can uh, look and look at too, right? I'm sure she can do it. You are dismissed. God bless you. Walk with the Lord this week.